0: This is becoming a podcast for teens and young adults, episode 58. This is a bonus episode from the Real Connections podcast by Cami Moss, and she interviewed our very own Tawny Beardall. The episode is called Three Simple Steps to Planning a Holiday Family Service Project and Why It's So Important.
1: Hi there and welcome to Becoming, a podcast for teens and young adults, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be.
0: Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become.
1: We are your hosts, Tani Beardall and Erica Peterson. We will be interviewing guests with unique experiences and experts in different fields to help us get the most out of each episode.
0: To kick off the Christmas season, we want to introduce you to what we will be focusing on all season long. We are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and they have been doing a program for a few years now called Light the World. It helps to encourage all people to make the Christmas season more centered on Christ. It helps to inspire everyone to find opportunities to serve our families, friends, our communities, and light the world with acts of love and service. We love this, and it really helps to make the Christmas season more meaningful. One of our favorite episodes that we have done was a Tales from Teens with a teen named Logan, and what he said is something that has really stuck with us and we talk about pretty often. He talked about not only serving the physical needs of others, but that the emotional needs of others can be as important, and so we want to focus on both of those things. So we're going to be starting with this bonus episode from Real Connections Podcast with our friend Kami Moss. So Kami actually interviewed Tawny just a couple weeks ago as a guest on her show, where Tawny shared about the service project that her family, along with a few other families, have done for the past two years. It's always great to have ideas for a service project, and we hope that this is something that's going to help you have some ideas pop into your mind of something you might be able to do to help others in need. The following episodes for the season will focus on seeing others and looking for those who need a friend or someone to just notice them. Really looking for those emotional needs as well. We hope that you have a wonderful Christmas season with us and join us as we look for those around us and try to do what the Savior would have us do, which is to see and to serve others around you. And if you want to hear the original, go to Real Connections Podcasts. I cut out a few of the really fun segments, which at the end even has some secret family recipes. So if you want to listen to the original, go check it out. But here's the episode. We hope you enjoy. Well, we're going to get
2: started here, and I'm so excited. Donnie, I would like to know what your family service project was and where your idea came from. Sure. So this is actually
1: our second year doing this exact same project. We did a three-part service project with three different families. And what we did was we earned money together, and then we bought and prepared food for our local homeless shelter. And then the third part was serving them the food. And where we got, like normally, this would not be a project I would personally choose to take on. (laughs) <laughs> but I was strongly encouraged by a woman that teaches a parenting class that I go to. And she, her name's Carling Tanner. She is phenomenal. And you can actually find her parenting classes on YouTube just by searching her name. But we go to her class once a week. And the last couple of weeks, she had talked about the importance of work and service in our children's lives. So she proposed that we come up with a service project to do with our families. She did not give us any ideas of what to do. She just said it should not be your regular, like drop something off to someone or donate money to a good cause. She wanted it to be something that was really hard and something that required a lot of sacrifice of your time and of your money. So Carleen suggested that every member of our family needs to be involved in this planning of the project. Because when we let our kids participate in choosing what we want to do, then they'll be way more invested in the whole doing part. So doing a service project like this, I think is just the greatest opportunity for your family to come together, to motivate and encourage each other, and to really bond and connect as a family. And she told us that the harder this project is, the better. And your goal is work so hard that someone in your family cries?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, as long as we're embracing emotions, we might as well embrace our kids' emotions too.
1: (laughs) And it doesn't count if I cry because that happens too often.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It has to be a child. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I love about this, Tani, is that I love that it pushes you. And honestly, if you're a listener and you're thinking this sounds really scary, that's kind of a good thing because I'll be honest with you. When I had this talk with Tani yesterday, and I'm sure she felt it in my responses to what her (laughs) service project was, I was like, oh, Tani, I just don't know if I could go that big. And so to have those feelings, I really want to like normalize that. Like, Tani, did you feel like, it sounds like you felt the fear. You felt the fear when she kind of said, yeah, you got to, you got to push yourself like out of a normal comfort zone. Did you feel that?
1: Oh yeah, and it's not even just pushing my kids out of their comfort zone, it's pushing myself. Yes. Like, I gotta do something that makes me feel uncomfortable and that's when I know it's working.
2: Yes, oh, well, okay, so I'm really glad (laughs) that I had a day to really like let this settle in to my brain and so if you're listening to this, I hope that you'll listen, that you won't turn it off because it just sounds overwhelming. I hope that you'll just listen to her idea and really like let it sit with you for like 24 hours because I think the wheels will start turning in your brain about something that you could do. It might not be as big as Tani's, it might be bigger than Tani's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you might not expect it to be. Pay attention to how how this feels for you. Does this feel like something that you think would be a good idea for your family? And to be honest, like if I was being honest with myself, it didn't sound like a good idea for me, but the more I let it set in, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I think I need to do something like Tony did." So, don't be afraid by the idea.
1: I really hope anyone listening won't feel discouraged by this. That is not the point of what we're trying to do here. What I'm hoping is that just a thought you hear will spark an idea in your head. And you'll know what's right for you and your family. It's not about comparing levels of service. It's just about being able to ignite something within each other and to help motivate and just spread love, you know?
2: Absolutely. In this parenting class, why was she bringing this up? What was kind of like the topic that that kind of led you into this wanting to do a big service project?
1: Well, yeah, like I said, she had just been discussing work and then service was the next week. And I'm personally super obsessed with the topic of work. I actually have an episode on our podcast, which is called Becoming for Teens. It's all about work. It's called Doing Work, and it's episode 16 if you're interested in hearing more about it. But for me, I just feel like everything that is worthwhile and amazing in our lives requires effort and sacrifice. And we just really need to teach our kids to work hard. It creates a self-discipline within them. And kids actually end up developing a self-esteem and a self-confidence through work and working really hard and serving that cannot be taught in any other way. So I feel like we just need to really push our children past their comfort zone, even to tears, and help them accomplish something. And the coolest thing about it is when they look back and get to see the results of their efforts, it just creates this sense of pride and self-esteem in them. And I just think it's one of the most important things that we can teach our children.
2: I do as well. And as you're talking, that really is connecting to yourself, which is probably the deepest and most most important form of connection that you can have is really understanding Who you are and what you can do because if you understand and have a self-esteem and know who you are Then the other connections come so much easier if you're not able To understand who you are and have a self-esteem all those other connections can only go so deep they can't ever be full connections because You you can never love more than you love yourself
1: What a great point absolutely so If we're really wanting to learn that and cultivate it in our children, like you said, we need to have that in ourselves. I think example is the greatest teacher. We need to work and serve right alongside our kids. I'm not saying plan a project and watch your kids do it. (laughs) (laughs) We need to teach them, be with them, be positive and encouraging all along the way. And we need to really personally work on finding joy and love in doing service. And obviously, I really love talking about work, and I feel like service is just kind of a different principle to tackle, but service is really more about the condition of our hearts. Don't you feel like Satan's goal right now is just to make sure that all of us are so self-obsessed?
2: Oh my gosh, absolutely. I think that that is one of the biggest tools he uses is if we can just think about ourselves constantly, there's no room for us to do really much good outside of ourselves.
1: Oh, totally. And I don't think Satan cares if we think too much of ourselves or too little of ourselves, just as long as we are always simply thinking about ourselves. So teaching our families to serve without concern for ourselves is the absolute goal. And I think you can do that by learning to push beyond your comfort zone like our teacher asked us to do in creating this project and to learn how to change our hearts and the coolest thing is we get to start making memories and bonding through this whole process.
2: Oh, my gosh. That is so beautiful. And I really want my listeners to pay attention to what you just said. Satan doesn't care if we think high about ourselves or low about ourselves as long as we just think about ourselves. And I just think that is so profound. If you can really like think about that and let that set in for a second, um, that is so difficult to overcome for Mm -hmm. a lot of us, but I think it's absolutely crucial what you're saying. And service does that for us. Service accomplishes both of those goals. You are prideful, you serve. You Mm -hmm. think like your life is horrible and you just want to think about yourself, you serve. I never connected those dots before, but that is an incredibly beautiful thing.
1: I love what you just said. You're right. Service is the antidote to it all and love.
2: Oh, I love it. Ah, okay. So I can't wait to get into this, Tani. Can you tell my listeners what you did in case they'd want to replicate it or do something similar? What are those steps?
1: Oh, sure. The first thing we did was we really needed to come up with a way that we could earn money together. And it was important to me that I didn't just fork over the money for the project. I wanted that to be part of the project. So when I was trying to come up with an idea, it was fall time, and there are just leaves everywhere. And I thought, hey, that's the easy thing that we can all do together. So we got these three families together. We ended up getting – just making a sign-up sheet, and we passed it around to our neighbors and to our congregation at church, and it just told them what we were doing – and that we were asking for donations uh, for yard cleanup. We did leaf removal and cleanup. So people just signed up, and then we dedicated an entire Saturday to being able to just serve. It was really a cool experience.
2: Oh, my gosh. Okay, so what I love most about this is that you did it with the knowledge and, like, the foresight that you wanted to do something that you could do as a family. So, like, connection right there. You like people that work together, stick together. Families that work together, stay together. So, I love the idea of doing this together.
1: Working together is the best way to create bonds. And it was pretty amazing having the three families together because nobody complained. It was just like this big, huge play date. Yeah. And I know, I know that my family, if we would have just raked leaves for five hours, just my little family, there would have been complaining. We probably would have <laughs> tapped out like within the first, I don't know, hour or two. But since we were together, it just was fun and we were encouraging each other. And of course, we bribed them to take them all out to dinner after as, a, as families as well. So that helped.
2: <laughs> oh, That's so cool, though, because I think you're hitting on connection at all levels, which is why this idea was so intriguing and why I really wanted you on the show. Because I wanted people to see that service, especially during this time of year, during this Thanksgiving season, can be so amazing. And, you know, I think it's really easy to live on a street and not know your neighbors. I think it's, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm experiencing that firsthand. And it's surprising to me how easy that is, unfortunately. But doing something that's like a common goal where everyone knows that like the homeless are struggling at this time of year. And we're all Mm -hmm. a little bit more cognizant of that. Right. So when we have this common goal and share with our neighbors, I think that that sparks something in just humans. Like, yes, I want to help. How can I help? Mm -hmm. And so I think even reaching out, like you were saying um, to me yesterday that you didn't necessarily know these families very well. Like these weren't like your best buddies that you're getting together to do this. These are yeah, like these, families in the class. Right? Exactly.
1: They were the, my girls around me and we were just discussing like, oh, I want to do this. But I think we all went home going, nothing's going to happen. We're not going to do this. But then when the idea sparked, I was like, I, we can't physically do this with my immediate family. We need like an army. So when Ugh. I reached out to these other moms, they were totally on board. It was so much more fun to do this together.
2: And Tony, something I want to share too—what struck me about what you just said—is that someone needed to initiate this. Mm -hmm. And I think so often, at least for me, the scare is that I don't want to initiate it. Yeah, like I don't want to be the—I'll come along, but I don't want to be responsible for it. So I think having the courage to do that and to like step up and say, "Hey, I got an idea. I just need you guys to execute," takes courage.
1: Well, thank you. And I really don't think I would have done it. What had it not been for this teacher really telling us how important this is, and that it will change our families. And I wanted that for my family.
2: So for someone who maybe raking leaves isn't maybe their thing, and this time of year might be a little late for some people to do that. What do you think? What would you suggest to people that are listening and think, Oh, what? What could I do, though? I don't really have an idea.
1: Oh yeah. I want people to know that there, I mean, there are endless possibilities with the ideas of trying to figure out how to make money for a project. And what I really want to let people know is using your personal gifts and talents in doing this will make it so much more joyful and you will, you will enjoy it more and you'll want to do it again. So I'm trying to think of different ways, such as, you know, if you love baking, maybe you can offer to bake pies for people's Thanksgiving for donations. And what you'll notice is if you ask for donations, people often pay you way more than what your service you're providing is worth, because they want to be part of that spirit of giving.
2: Yes, I love it.
1: Another idea might be, let's say you have like really creative kids that love art, you could hold... You could host like an art class and have kids come. I mean, there's just so many ideas of what you could do, but try to think of what your family naturally loves and is good at and just kind of start brainstorming from there.
2: Tani, I love this. And since we were talking yesterday, I've been really brainstorming and I wanted to share with our listeners a couple things. One, I think it's really, really important, especially during this time of year, people are ready to spend money. They're ready to spend money, whether it's to a, uh, a service organization or just to spend money. So right now they're in that mindset. But if you can come up with an idea of where people are already going to spend their money, they're going to give you even more of it. So I, that's why I love the example of the pies for Thanksgiving. So many people are like, I would love a homemade pie for Thanksgiving. I don't know how to bake. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But they're going to go buy one anyways. Yeah. A couple other ideas that I thought of were, like I do hand lettering. So I was thinking Christmas cards seem to be like a really big pain for a lot of people. But if they gave me their list and they gave me their cards, I could hand letter their cards, Christmas cards, and drop them in the mail for them. Like that could be a service. Some people hate going to get their Christmas tree, but they love it the week after Thanksgiving. If you paid, said it's $50 at this farm for the tree, we'll deliver it and take it away. (laughs) <laughs> they're going to donate a lot of money to you right or that going along with the pies thing maybe someone wants to learn how to make their own pies so like get on youtube learn how to make pie crust if you're really into that and hold a class or even bake several pie crusts and have them fill it themselves like with whatever pie filling they want so like she was saying that's why i love tani Using your gifts and really diving deep into what am I good at? What could I do that could be beneficial? I love it. All right. Okay, Tani. So what is the next thing that someone would need to know to replicate this?
1: So the second thing we did is to decide where the money is needed most. And for us, our local homeless shelter allows individual groups to come in and sign up And you can provide all of the food for the meal, and you can serve it. So that's just a really special thing I've heard about. um, And that's how we just decided to call them, arrange a date, and get planning on what kind of food we wanted to cook. But I was trying to think of different ideas, because I know a lot of homeless shelters don't allow that. You just, you can show up and help serve, but you can't provide the food. So other ideas that I thought could be fun were, you know, you could adopt a grandma or grandpa at your local rest home and go in and see if they have any specific needs and then possibly visit them every week until Christmas. Wouldn't that be special?
2: Oh, that would be so sweet. I have such a heart for elderly people. would <laughs> be so I sweet. know, me
1: too. And I think around the holidays, they really just love having people around. Yes. Another idea that you could do I learned from my parenting class was possibly contacting a missionary that's in a foreign country and asking if he has any families he knows where he is that you could uh, you know send money and help donate a Christmas for them yes and then going along if your homeless shelter does not let you come in and provide a meal you could just make those blessing bags or sack lunches that you can pass out outside of the homeless shelter I know using non-perishable foods that they can just keep in their bags for weeks to come would be really awesome.
2: I love that idea. And honestly, I, like I said, the wheels have been turning in my head since yesterday. So as I've been researching this and really thinking in my own mind, refugees have been hugely on my mm. mind and they are in such need. If you live in the state of Utah, I know many of my listeners do, Refugees are in large numbers here, and they need so much help and there's also so many refugees in third world countries like Jordan. I know a lot of um, a lot of kits are being sent to Jordan right now for the refugees there so also another good tip is that homeless people are in such great need of socks this time of year. Mm -hmm. Good, clean socks. So the other thing I thought of is doing blessing bottles. And what those are, they're just these plastic bottles that you unscrew the top and inside you put like a set of hand warmers, a pair of socks. You could put a thermal blanket. There's also like these toilets you can get on Amazon that are like a, it's like a towelette, but it's for a shower. It's like a a shower towelette Hmm. or like a hand sanitizer and like maybe gum or something. And so then you give those out at Christmas time with your kids or even in January. I mean, I think there's a lot of giving at Christmas and I think January is really kind of like a stagnant time for like the homeless or really for anything going on. So even if you wait until after the holidays, you could absolutely get creative. What works for your family? Don't stress yourself out, but think where there's a need and focus there.
1: That's a really good point. It doesn't matter what time of year you do this. Right. It doesn't. Like, there's a buzz going around, you know, over Thanksgiving to Christmas, but you're right. A lot of people get, you know, the blues after that's over and the giving kind of stops. So I think that's a great idea. Just go for it in January. Do it anytime throughout the year that works best for your schedule. I think just being creative and having fun with it is the most important thing you can do. And I thought you know, if you can't really come up with anything, you can always go on just org and see if there's anything there that just catches your eye.
2: Yes. I love that idea because there's always like a million things like opportunities whenever I go on there. So that's a great resource. All right. And so Tani, I'd love to talk to you about your number three. What's the last step that they need to replicate something like this?
1: Okay. So the third step is just to execute it, prepare what you're going to do and then get out and serve. So for us, we needed to shop for the food, and then we took an entire evening with all, we had all the families come to my house and we prepared the meal. We cooked it, we got it ready, and we did chicken enchiladas, so we would be able to prepare it the week before. It wouldn't be too overwhelming, like that whole week. And then we froze them so they'd be ready. Just being able to follow through with this plan. You gotta finish, you gotta finish strong.
2: Yes. And honestly, sometimes I really feel like that's like the hardest part because you get this fire, maybe you have an idea and then it can be an idea, but as if you don't like, you can decide and you can gather the people, but if you don't really do anything, it was for nothing. Right.
1: Right. And honestly, the experience of being able to execute and serve this meal was the pinnacle of the whole project. It was super special the entire night. Just watching our kids, just the love that you, you could see in their eyes, being able to serve these wonderful people was so touching. And I think my kids were surprised how much they loved it. I remember them telling me after Christmas, I so said, what was your favorite part? You know, we went to a lot of parties and we had a lot of new toys. And they talked about how going to, going to serve the homeless was their favorite experience of the entire year. So I know it touched their hearts and it really changed them. The coolest part was that we ended up having way more money than we even needed for the meal because us moms went in and were asking for donations at grocery stores, at different restaurants, and we were worried we wouldn't have enough money because we had to serve 200 people and we were like, oh no, we're in trouble. We didn't make enough money raking leaves. But after all of the donations that we asked for, we ended up having an extra like $120. So we did go to the dollar store and we got a bunch of hats and socks and toiletries and shirts and toys. And so uh, they only allowed us to bring six people in to serve the meal And so everyone else was outside handing out those sort of things. So even our youngest children got to be a part of that. And I think seeing it and experiencing it was just the most important part for them. They got to do what their hard work was doing, you know.
2: Yes. And like you said, it changes you in a way that no other experience could. And Mm -hmm. it touches your kids, I think. Being able to have your kids have that kind of an experience where like, you're not preaching to them about service. You're actually doing it and letting them feel that. And those feelings, like you were saying, don't go away. Like that is such a special thing that they'll have forever. And the memories that they'll have and going back to when they have service projects in the future, knowing what that feels like, like, uh, maybe I don't want to do it right now. Maybe I don't feel like it, but I know what it feels like. And I love that feeling.
1: Oh, such a good point. I know this year, uh, us moms didn't really say anything. I'm like, oh, we did the project, mark it off the list. But (laughs) the kids pushed us. They were like, we're doing that again, right? Like they wanted to feel that again.
2: Oh, that's such an amazing thing that I think really every mom really wants their kids to experience for themselves. So, oh, that's awesome. So Tani, what connections do you feel like happened as a result of this Thanksgiving tradition? What did you see happen?
1: As I was preparing for this, I was like, there's just too many. There's too many to even mention. The connections as a mother looking at this whole experience, that was the most beautiful part. I loved it. I know personally my immediate family just had great bonding experiences through this and that my kids will always remember. And don't forget to take lots of pictures because – They like looking over it and it keeps the memory fresh for them. So that's something I would suggest. Um, And then the other cool connection that it made, like you said, was with these different families. We are so much closer. We just had such a great time together. And we have a variety of ages from 15 to a baby and a bunch of kids in between. And they loved on each other. They were helping each other, serving one another's families. It was so cool to be able to create that bond with these different families that we got to serve with.
2: Oh my gosh. I love that so, so much. And in a way, again, that could come in no other way. Like when you serve with other people, there's just naturally this bond. And I feel like as women, we kind of have those experiences. Like, especially if you're part of like a church group where you get together with other adults or other women and you have this opportunity to serve, but to be able to take it to the next level where you're involving children, your spouse, and other families, that's just got to be such a neat thing to experience.
1: It was, and it made it so much more fun. But I have to tell you, the most surprising connection for me was the families that let us do the yard cleanup at their house, and that gave us donations. I was shocked at the connection we felt with them because a lot of the people that we did the service for were older couples that are in our church, and my children have personally never had a lot of contact with them. So when we showed up and these people were just, they watched, they like stood out watching. They were so excited that we were there and they were encouraging and so complimentary to the children and they were just so sweet. I felt like the love was so real and intense and they were hugging them. And the cutest thing, a lot of them actually had food like on tables set up for us. They had donuts ready and just so excited to have us there. And I see it when we, you know, run into them at the store or see them at church, the kids like run up and hug them. Like there's, it created a bond that I was not expecting with the people that we served. They were so thankful that we did it. And we were so thankful that they were willing to let us do it. It just created this like win-win situation. It was very unexpected.
2: Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. I love that. But yeah, I wouldn't have expected that either. But I can totally see how that would be because as a consumer or as someone who would want those services, knowing that these families and these children were giving this service not to earn money for themselves, but to earn money for someone who needed it, I think that that already pulls your heart in as someone who wants to donate. Like, I can't be a part of this. I can't go out and write the leaves but I am so touched by what you're doing and that alone just creates kind of this bond. Like we both want the same thing. We both want these people to have something during this season and, and something better for them, not just the meal, but a human connection. Right.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. The love was like tangible. I can't really explain it. And they were so so generous monetarily with us. It, it was it's just such a blessing. We were so thankful.
2: Oh, that's so awesome.
1: And the last connection that we really felt was with our community and with those at the homeless shelter. When we first got to the shelter, there was a lot of people outside. It was dark, you know, they have like little bonfires going on and it looked like a scene from a movie and a lot of the kids were actually scared. You know, they'd never been in that situation before and they were nervous to get out of the car. But once we just got the guts and got out of the car and encouraged them, it was amazing. When we got to like see the people one-on-one and serve them one-on-one and have a conversation and look into their eyes, like something magical happened. The fear that we had just kind of dissipated and we saw these people for who they were. They were just... Here comes my cry for the day. <laughs> I love it. They were, these people were just our brothers and sisters who are struggling, and they are having the toughest time of their life right now. So it was beautiful to see them one-on-one. And like I said, there was no fear. Like it was just love. And they were so grateful and complimentary of the meal and thanking us for taking our time to do this. It was such a humbling experience. And I just know that our hearts were totally touched. Our kids' hearts were touched. And um, like I said, it just caused this fire within us to want to keep serving. It was so cool.
2: I love this so much because the more I've researched and the more I've learned about the homeless population, you really think about it and you think these people who knows what's happened in their past to get them to where they are right now, probably some poor decisions, but also probably some really rough circumstances for most of Mm -hmm. them. And then to be in a situation where you don't have a place to sleep at night, you are cold. You don't know when your next meal is going to be you may or may not make it into the shelter if there's enough beds, which most of the time there aren't. And you are resorting to asking people for money. And a lot of times with a health condition and an addiction. So you think about the courage. I I look at the homeless population so differently now because I think anybody in that kind of a situation, how much courage it would take to just keep going Mm -hmm. for one more day is extreme. And I think so much of what you're saying, like you fed them a meal, but really what you did was you saw them as human. And so many people do not. And I don't think that we intentionally do that. Like, I think that it's uncomfortable to see someone who's homeless, um, and so we look away. But to be able to look, like you said, into someone's eyes and acknowledge that they are human, and maybe even get a name out Mm -hmm. of somebody, remind them that they are still human is so special and that is really what you gave and so I just think that is such an incredible thing to remember during the holidays is you don't have to give someone even a monetary donation to look someone in the eye and to smile or to even take a second and ask someone their name so I just love this whole experience and for anybody that you're serving I think everyone wants to know that they are needed and that they are seen. And we all want that no matter who you're serving, they need that. And so I think what you said, looking into people's eyes, I hope that you remember that during this whole serving is that you let them know that they are seen. And I just think that that's a beautiful thing that you did.
1: Oh Well, you said it beautifully and I truly believe that if we, Just did have that one-on-one. I think that's the difference is seeing them as individuals. And I believe that if we get to know anyone and their story, we will love them. Like we just need to dig deeper and just coming to know them personally will change everything. And we can't do that to every homeless person on the street. But just like you said, trying to just do one thing, ask their name, ask how they're doing just try to make one connection beyond just a high. Like the look in the eyes, let them know that they're loved, they're special.
2: Yep, or even just a smile. I think how many of those people just go days without seeing anyone look at them in the eyes or smiling. Oh, yeah. So I just think that's awesome. All right, Tony. Well, since our conversation yesterday, I do need you to know that the wheels have been turning in my head. <laughs> And so I want you guys to know as listeners that this is definitely possible. Um, and I wanted to, to do something. My heart was really stirring after I talked to Tani. And so Tani doesn't know this, but I came up with something at 9 o'clock this morning. I can't wait just, to hear it. <laughs> that just kind of hit me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And it scares me. And that's why I'm going to do it because it's going to push I'm me. proud of you. And, uh, but I was thinking, what could I do? And I like to dabble in a lot of things. I don't do one thing great. I just do a lot of things okay. <laughs> and so I was thinking, oh my gosh, I know how to make wreaths. I make wreaths every year. And so what you do, what I, what my plan is, is I'm going to take. You go to the Christmas tree yards, and they cut off the bottom branches of every tree they sell. And so they have these massive piles of branches that they haul away. And so what you do is you go there and you can get them for free and then you can create these wreaths with like a, you have to have a background, but YouTube it, you can know how to do it really easy. So I got that idea. I was like, we can make wreaths for refugees. So we're not making the wreaths for the refugees, but we're going to make the wreaths to earn money to get money for refugees. So, so cute. So I called my friend this morning and I was like, Stephanie, I have this idea. And of course, like the way that God works Stephanie just happens to be like, she used to be the president of the PTA and is like, Cami, we could go big with this. Like we are doing this. And so she's like, I'm totally on board. We thought of families that we want to do, but we're probably going to implement it in many neighborhoods around our area. And, but go beyond the wreaths. So we're probably going to have a day where we're going to do a bunch of Christmassy things with people that are very creative and want to do something of their own. So the more that like I'm even sharing about it, like people are like, yes, I want to do this. Like I've been looking for something and I, it's not like I know how to do any of this, but it was just Tani's idea that sparked an idea in me that sparked an idea in my friend that sparked an idea in someone else. And so just to see that I think people really want to get engaged with this and it's a way to connect people in such an awesome way. So I really just want you guys to know that like, (laughs) it's possible. My whole idea and my whole plan was to start with like three or four families like Tani. And it still may just be that it might end up being really small, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if it's huge. It doesn't matter. But the, but the whole point is that like people are getting, catching this fire. And like you were saying, you started out with just the three families. And then you had a, you added another because someone else was touched by it and wanted to join your group this year.
1: Yes. We have four families this year and it has created even more buzz and momentum and more help and more money. We have already raised three times more money than last year.
2: Oh my gosh, Tani. I love so it exciting. so, so much. So just start. That's like the advice that I have. Just, just start. So anyway, we're going to recap with Tani. Tani, for anybody that's Now, considering this on any kind of a scale and in any way that you want to do it, what are the steps that they need to take to do something like this?
1: They can do this. It's simple. First, come up with a way to earn money together as a family. The second thing you're going to do is decide where the money is needed. You can pray about this. You can, like I said, go to justserve.org. Just come up with where the money is best needed in your eyes. And then the third thing is to just execute it, prepare and serve and go out and enjoy the fruits of your labor.
2: Oh, I could not agree more. That is so amazing, Tani. I really appreciate you being on the show today.
0: Finding part-time jobs for teenagers can be challenging. Teen Job Prep's goal is to remove the mystery and equip you with the tools you need to get and keep a job. The Resume Builder helps teens create a professional resume even with no experience. Their video training is perfect for teens. It's fun to watch and quick and will teach you everything you need to know from how to get a work permit, interviewing tips, to how to find a part-time job. Most importantly, it will give you the confidence to know that you are doing everything you are supposed to. Visit teenjobprep.com to check out all of their awesome resources and use the code BECOMING to get 10% off.